Gallipoli. So this morning, we're going to talk about uh, this idea of living faithfully as exiles and strangers. We're looking at the life of Daniel. So just a quick review. Daniel was a young man. He was an Israelite. He lived in the city of Jerusalem around 600 BC. Um, And the king of Babylon, the, the empire of Babylon, which at that time became the, the largest kingdom empire in the world, was led by a guy named Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar came along and he conquered the city of Jerusalem and he took about 10,000 people captive, brought them back to Babylon so that they would learn the culture and the customs of Babylon so that they would become good subjects of the kingdom of Babylon. Daniel and three other young men, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, these four Hebrew boys were brought into like the, uh, the graduate program of the kingdom of Babylon to be taught all the customs and culture and, and wisdom of Babylon. And they decided that they were going to live faithfully as people of God in the kingdom of Babylon. And that meant that they lived a little bit differently They looked different. However, in that living differently, they they still made a difference in the culture around them. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. You know, if we're going to live as exiles and strangers, first we need to recognize that there is a kingdom of this world around us that, that, that wants us to buy into what they're selling, that wants us to, um, to, conform and become just like them, to adopt their values and to to adopt their customs and to adopt their priorities. The problem is those values and priorities are counter to what God teaches us through his word. And so as God's people, people of the kingdom of God, we need to live faithfully in the kingdom of this world. And, And we see in the life of Daniel and the other three Hebrew boys, um, this life of faithfulness as exiles and strangers. We also saw that in the New Testament, uh, Peter, in his letter to the church, 1 Peter chapter 2, he reminds the church and reminds us today that we are to live as strangers and exiles. We're going to get to that again today. So there is this culture around us that's vying for our attention. And if we're going to live faithfully, then we need to recognize that God is in control. God brought Daniel and the three other fellas to Babylon. Scripture says, God allowed Jerusalem to be conquered. God gave them favor with with the jailer and and with the the guard that was over them. God is the one who led leaded, led them and guided them. If it's it's led, then why isn't it ged? You know, if it's leaded is wrong, but guided is right anyway. So that was but led and guided. What was I saying? (laughs) So, God was leading and guiding in the life of Daniel and these three Hebrew boys and used them to make a difference. Today, we're going to talk about this truth that, that God has called us to live lives that make a difference to live faithfully in the culture around us, in the kingdom of this world, in Babylon, so that we can make a difference. And we're going to see how Daniel and the fellas made a difference. 
But we're going to jump to another book of the Bible. So the book of Daniel gives us the historical account of Daniel and, and the three young men and, and what they did. And it, and it gives us some prophetic words and later in the book. But there's also uh, several other books of the Bible that run parallel with the account of Daniel's life. The book of Jeremiah is one of those books. Jeremiah was a prophet. So there's, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, there's a section called the major prophets, and you've got like Isaiah, Jeremiah, and, and, and even Daniel is one of the major prophets. And then you've got the minor prophets, and that's like the last, Hannah, or uh, <laughs> that's, um, uh, 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 what, say, Habakkuk, yeah, Malachi, Zephaniah, Haggai, Malachi, Okay, man, y'all pray for me today. But Jeremiah runs parallel to the story of Daniel. And so we're going to look at what Jeremiah has to say because Jeremiah was communicating to the exiles in Babylon. Chapter 29 says that he wrote them a letter. So Jeremiah wrote a letter and had it delivered to the exiles, including Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. And so we're going to look at what he has to say. And so I, I'm going to read the letter that Jeremiah wrote to the exiles in Babylon. And then we're going to go back through some more of Jeremiah and, and see what Jeremiah is teaching. So Jeremiah chapter 29, Jeremiah chapter 29, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It will be on the screen. Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 13. Jeremiah 29, 4 through 13, all right? Let me read it this morning. This is Jeremiah's letter. He says, this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Find wives for yourselves and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Pursue the well-being of the city I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf for when it thrives, you will thrive. That's Jeremiah's letter to the exiles in Babylon. So let's pray and then we'll dig into it this morning. God, we love you. We thank you this morning for your word. Your word is truth. Lord, we want to be people of the word, Bible people. And so, Lord, as we study and look to your word this morning, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to obey. Lord, conform us and shape us into your image through the power of your transforming word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Jeremiah writes to the exiles in Babylon, and he says, while you're there, build houses, plant gardens, raise a family, pray for the prosperity of the city, invest in the city of Babylon. The reason that Jeremiah wrote this letter is because there were other prophets who were telling them just the opposite. They were saying, fight, withdraw, don't have anything to do with those Babylonians. And then Jeremiah comes along and says, hey, 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 don't listen to those guys. I've got a word from God. 
We're going to look and see these conflicting messages, but there's different ways that we can respond to the culture around us. As the people of God, the people of God's kingdom, living in the kingdom of this world, there's different ways that we can respond to the world. The first one is to assimilate. Daniel and the three young men recognize that this is not what God had for them. They said, we will not defile ourselves with the king's food. We're going to live differently than all of the people of this kingdom. We're not going to compromise the things that we know are true. We're, we're going to stand for truth and live out our faith. And as the people of God living in the kingdom of this world, we can't just assimilate. I mean, Scripture is so clear about how we are to live faithfully. Some churches and some Christians think that in order to be relevant, in order to show God's love, they have to just become like everyone around them and just accept everything and allow everything. But that's not loving at all. Truth is loving because God has a plan for human thriving and flourishing, and, and it only happens in conformity to his truth. And when we tell people, whatever you want, whatever you believe, it's all okay. God loves you anyway. God is loving, but if we refuse to submit to his loving plan for our lives, then we will make a shipwreck of our lives, and ultimately, we will reap the judgment that comes along with that. So, these three, these four young men decided they, they can't just become like the culture around them, and so they stood for truth. And another way that sometimes we respond as the people of God and the kingdom of this world is to isolate. We just stay away. We, we say, you know, we, we're just going to kind of open up a family compound somewhere out in Utah, and we're just going to hunker down, build a bunker, Right? and have enough baked beans for the rest of our life. And that's a little extreme, but sometimes as Christians, we feel like we just need to isolate ourselves and stay away from those bad people. That doesn't work. It's not what we see in the life of Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah. I mean, they were living in the palace. They were part of this elite group of, of people who were learning the culture and customs of Babylon, and they didn't refuse to go to class. They went to class, and they learned the culture and customs of Babylon. They, they graduated at the top of their class. They still lived differently, but they didn't isolate themselves. They didn't say, no, no, oh, no, 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 we're not doing that. They, they stood for truth where they needed to stand for truth, but where they could be a part of the people around them, they engaged. They didn't isolate. And a lot of times we try to isolate. The problem is, Scripture's really clear that we're here on earth to make a difference in the world around us. We're called to go into all the world and preach the gospel baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit and teaching others to observe everything that God has commanded. And Jesus is with us in that until the very end of the earth. You can't do that by isolating. But sometimes that's how we respond to the culture around us. We try to isolate. A, a third way is to fight. We're going to fight them and we're going to show them who's boss. It's 
what Peter tried to do when they came to arrest Jesus. Peter whipped out that sword and whoo, cut a man's ear off. And Jesus said, Peter, put that sword away. If you're gonna live by the sword, you're gonna die by the sword. I came to die. I didn't come to fight. And he put the ear back on the guy's head, said, sorry about that. <laughs> what? I mean, if, if a guy he puts an ear back on my head, I'm like, okay, you do whatever you want. I'm leaving now. But it's because God has a plan. Nobody took Jesus' life from him. Jesus said it. I lay it down freely. Jesus didn't come to fight. He, in fact, he told, uh, he, he told Pilate, look, my, my, my kingdom, they didn't, my people aren't here to fight. If we wanted to fight, I would just call down a legion of angels and they would wipe you all out. But that's not why I'm here. There are some times in the Old Testament where God calls his people to fight. And if he calls us to fight, we should do it. But the New Testament makes it really clear. We're not called to fight. Nowhere in the New Testament are we called to fight anybody. But sometimes we want to. I mean, I gotta be honest. There's times in my life where, I'm, where I pray for a good fight, you know? Like, cut me off and see what happens. But, you know, you just have those days. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. But that's not how we live faithfully as strangers and exiles in the world around us. We're not called to fight. Jesus had a couple of disciples, this one guy named Simon the Zealot. The Zealots were a uh, political um, group that, that wanted to fight the Roman government. And when Simon the Zealot signed up to be one of Jesus' disciples, he thought that Jesus was leading, you know, this violent revolution. And so over and over, we see the disciples, so are you gonna, are you gonna restore your kingdom now? Are you gonna kick out the Romans? And Jesus says, hey, 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 hey. My kingdom is not of this world. James and John, a couple of Jesus' disciples, they, they were ministering and, and there was a town that rejected Jesus and James and John said, hey, should we uh, pray down fire and blow up that town? And Jesus said, guys, that's not why I'm here. We're not called to fight. We're called to engage, to stand for truth without isolating and without fighting, to engage. Uh, just a word about fighting. <laughs> I think sometimes we're more excited about seeing God judge sinners than save sinners. And if that's our heart, then we are missing the heart of God. God wants to save sinners. One day he will judge. But until that time, he's called us to be agents of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5 says, it is though God is pleading through our mouths, please be reconciled to God. Please be reconciled to God. So we have to be engaged. It's what Jeremiah is talking about in Jeremiah chapter 29. He says, build houses, plant gardens, raise a family, invest in the city, pray for the city, be engaged. You got to look different. You don't just assimilate and acquiesce to everything going on around you, but you don't isolate either. And you don't fight, you engage. So Jeremiah chapter 27, um, a 
couple chapters before 29, uh, Jeremiah is, is speaking to Zedekiah. So Zedekiah, that's why I got so confused on the minor prophets earlier, because there's just all these names and they're bouncing around in my head. Anyway, Zedekiah was the king of Judah. So after Babylon came, he, he took the, the current king captive and brought him back to Jerusalem. And he took this guy, Zedekiah, and he put him on the throne in Jerusalem. And Zedekiah was the king of, of Jerusalem, of Judah, for about 11 years. And in that time, he decided that he wasn't going to submit to Babylon anymore. There were some other prophets who were telling him, you got to fight these guys, Zedekiah. You got to stop listening to them. You got to fight them. You got to fight them. And Jeremiah came along and he said, hey, that's not God's plan. God delivered us into the hands of the Babylonians. And God will rescue us when it's time. But until then, listen to what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 27, 12 through 15. I spoke to the king Zedekiah of Judah in the same way said, put your necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon. Serve him and his people and live. Why should you and your people die by the sword, famine, and plague as the Lord has threatened against any nation that does not serve the king of Babylon? Do not listen to the words of the prophets who are telling you, don't serve the king of Babylon. For they're prophesying a lie to you. I have not sent them. This is the Lord's declaration. And they are prophesying falsely in my name. Therefore, I will banish you and you will perish, you and the prophets who are prophesying to you. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. God wants you to be under the yoke of Babylon right now. It's God's plan. God is in control. So stop fighting. And if you do, you're going to get wiped out. So you know what happened? Zedekiah, he rebelled against Babylon and Babylon came in and they wiped out the whole city. Tore everything down, every wall, every stone, every piece of the temple. Then in chapter 28, again, we see Jeremiah speaking. He speaks to a prophet named Hananiah. Hananiah was the prophet who was saying, look, 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 just don't worry about Babylon. Everything's okay. Here's what Jeremiah says to Hananiah in verse 5. Jeremiah replied to the prophet Hananiah in the presence of the priests and all the people who were standing in the temple of the Lord. The prophet Jeremiah said, amen, may the Lord do that. May the Lord make the words you have prophesied come true, and may he restore the articles of the Lord's temple and the exiles from Babylon to this place. Only listen to this message I am speaking in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. The prophets, you, the prophets who preceded you and me from ancient times prophesied war, disaster, and plague against many lands and great kingdoms. As for the prophet who prophesies peace, only when the word of that prophet comes true will the prophet be recognized as one the Lord has truly sent. Here's what Jeremiah is saying. He's, he's saying, that would be great. I mean, if we could just have peace with Babylon and do whatever we want, that'd, I, I hope that happens. However, that's not what God said was going to happen. God already told us and through Isaiah and other prophets that that God was going to judge us through the nation of Babylon and that we would have to submit and surrender. And by submitting and surrendering to Babylon, we're really submitting and surrendering to God because this is God's plan. Now, some of y'all are hearing that and you're going, that does not sound right. Because it doesn't to our way of thinking. 
That doesn't make any sense to our human wisdom. That's why these prophets are saying, Jeremiah, you're crazy. That doesn't make any sense. Um, Jeremiah, he liked to use object lessons. And, and one day Jeremiah walked into Zedekiah's court with a wooden yoke on his shoulders. And he said, hey, this is the yoke of Babylon. And the guy Hananiah, he came along and he took that wooden yoke and broke it over his knees. So, this is what I think of your yoke, Jer Jeremiah. <laughs> Jeremiah said, okay, you broke the wooden yoke, but an iron yoke is coming next. Submit. Daniel... And these three Hebrew boys were living in exile in Babylon because God put them there. And Jeremiah writes to them and says, while God has you there, engage. Build houses, plant gardens, raise a family. Engage in, in the well-being of your city. Pray for the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you will thrive. And so today, maybe you find yourself an isolationist. Maybe you look at the world around you and you go, man, I just got to get out of here. I need, to, I need to move somewhere. I need to move to a red city somewhere. Maybe you have assimilated Maybe it's too hard to stand for what's right and true, so you just, oh, it's okay. Que say ra, say ra. Whatever you believe is just fine. That's true for you, and this is true for me, and let's just get along, and we should get along, but we don't do that by throwing truth out the window. Maybe you find yourself there. Maybe you're a fighter. Maybe you want to fight. I, I love uh, Charles Spurgeon said about God. He said, uh, God's kind of like a lion. He doesn't need you to defend him. Just open up the cage. <laughs> God doesn't need us to fight for him. He's God. He's called us to be faithful and obedient. He's called us to love our neighbor as ourself. And, and the people said, well, who's my neighbor? And he said, the person you hate the most, Samaritan person who is so different from you, religiously, politically, culturally, they're so different than you love them as yourself. And in the life of Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, we see this lived out. I mean, they are in a godless pagan culture. Their names have been changed to, to reflect the deities of Babylon, and yet they remain faithful they put their life on the line. Last week we read the story. Nebuchadnezzar said, bow down to my golden idol. And they said, sorry, man, we can't. We got to serve God. We're not going to fight you, but we're not going to do it. I mean, throw us in the fire if you have to. A couple chapters, we're going to see Daniel. The king said, you can't pray to any God except for my gods. And Daniel said, sorry about you. I got to pray to my God. Daniel got thrown in the lion's den. He didn't fight. Just lived faithfully and, and dealt with the consequences. He didn't say, oh no, that's not fair. I got liberty. I got freedom. I got religious liberties. He didn't say that. He lived faithfully and dealt with the consequences. And God 
delivered him. We need to be engaged in our neighborhoods. Do you pray for your neighbors? How are you loving your neighbors? Do you know your neighbors' names? We need to be engaged in our workplace. How are you serving your coworkers? How are you going out of your way to put in extra work to make their life easier? How are you serving them? We need to be engaged with our families in the world around us. Are you teaching your kids truth so that they can stand for truth in the culture around them? Are you having conversations about the things that they're facing? Are you helping them to pray for their friends? We need to be engaged in our community. How, how are you engaging in your community? I mean, that might look like your kids in the soccer league or little league baseball. Might look like going and hanging out in the senior center and playing dominoes with some guys. I don't know. How are you engaged in your community? Whatever your might be at the gym, right, Ray? How are you engaged in your community? And lastly, we see in Jeremiah 29 that we must be engaged through prayer. Pray for your city. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. By the way, tonight, 5.30, prayer service in the Alive Room. I hope to see you there because there is nothing more important than we can do than pray. 5.30 tonight, prayer in the Alive Room. I hope you'll join us. So, Jeremiah writes this letter to the exiles in Babylon and, and then I read it to you a moment ago, but in verse eight, so verse seven says, pursue the well-being of the city I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you will thrive. And verse eight says, for this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says. Don't let your prophets who are among you and your diviners deceive you and don't listen to the dreams you elicit from them, for they are prophesying falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them. This is the Lord's declaration. So if somebody's telling you to assimilate, they are false prophets. Don't listen to them. If someone is telling you to isolate, they are false prophets. Don't listen to them. If somebody is telling you to fight, they are false prophets. Don't listen to them. Jeremiah put it really clear. If we think about this in the context of the New Testament, of the great commission, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus prayed for his disciples and in the gospel of John, he said, Lord, they are not of this world, but they are in this world. So let them declare your truth. We're called to go to make disciples. We're, we're called to live faithfully in the world around us so that people would see our good works and glorify the Father in heaven. It's a life of engagement. Because Babylon needed Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And this world needs you. As busted and broke up as it is, it needs you. And when you're only thinking about how it's harming you instead of how you can help it, then you are missing it. Jesus called us to lay our lives down for the sake of the gospel. Not to get all we can out of life, but to lay our lives down. And that's what Jeremiah is talking about when he wrote this letter 
to the exiles in Babylon. Pray for the Lord on its behalf. Pursue the well-being of the city, of the world around you, as twisted as it is. Be engaged, pray, make a difference, invest. It's what we're called to do. And let me tell you the awesome thing that happened. So in chapter two, there was the story where Nebuchadnezzar had this dream. We went through it a couple weeks ago and nobody could figure it out. Daniel comes in and says, God has given me the interpretation of the dream. He tells Nebuchadnezzar, and listen, Daniel 2, 47, here's what Nebuchadnezzar said. The king said to Daniel, your God is indeed the God of gods, Lord of kings and revealer of mysteries, since you were able to reveal this mystery. Now, would Nebuchadnezzar have ever said your God is the God of gods if Daniel had not lived engaged and faithful in Babylon? No. Listen, Daniel chapter 3. After Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down, got thrown in a furnace, met with Jesus, and came out unharmed, Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Would Nebuchadnezzar have said that if they didn't live faithfully as exiles and strangers? No. In Daniel chapter 4, God humbles Nebuchadnezzar by causing him to live like an animal because of his pride. And one day God opens his eyes and gives him his sanity back. And in Daniel 4.37, this is Nebuchadnezzar's words. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and glorify the king of heavens because all his works are true and his ways are just. He is able to humble those who walk in pride. That's because God had a plan when he sent the exiles to Babylon. Not just to correct Judah, but to make a difference in Babylon. I mean, based on the testimony of these three verses, one day when we get to heaven, Nebuchadnezzar might be there, guys. <laughs> That'd be pretty wild. But that only happens when we engage. We can't assimilate. We can't isolate. We can't fight. We have to be engaged. One day Jesus will return to rule and to reign, but until then we are called to live faithfully as exiles and strangers, engaged in the culture around us with truth and grace. So let me read the end of Jeremiah's letter. Jeremiah 29 Starting in verse 10, he's told the exiles, build houses, build gardens, have family, invest in the well-being of the city, pray for the city, don't listen to those prophets who tell you to do otherwise. And then verse 10, he says, for this is what the Lord says, when 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will attend to you and will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. The application for us is that just like Judah had 70 years of exile, right now we are living as, as exiles and strangers. And one day God will come and he will restore and he will rule and reign. But until he does, we live faithfully. For 70 years, verse 11, you've heard this before, for I know the plans I have for you 
This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Did you know that that verse was connected with this letter that Jeremiah wrote? Living engaged and faithfully in the culture around us. You will call to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration. I love that phrase. (laughs) This is the Lord's declaration. Take it to the bank. This is God speaking. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will restore you to the place from which I deported you. And if you live faithfully, you might bring some more people with you too. So this morning, the challenge is living as exiles and strangers, we have to be engaged in our world. We can't assimilate, we can't isolate, we can't fight our way out. We need to live faithfully engaged. Jeremiah made it really clear. Don't listen to those people who tell you otherwise because they are not speaking God's word to you. Now, if that seems hard, it's because it's real hard. (laughs) That's why at the end of the letter, Jeremiah said, hey, don't worry. I have a plan for you. It's it's to prosper you. If you'll seek me, you'll find me if you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. So if you're living in the world around you and you really want to isolate, don't do it. Just seek me and I'll help you. If you really, if you, if you feel like you can't stand for truth anymore and you just need to, to give in, don't do it. Seek me and I will help you. If you feel like you want to fight, don't do it. Seek me and I will help you. I'll help you be engaged. I'll help you make a difference in the world around you because that's why you are here. Babylon needs us, church. Orlando, Florida needs us. 500 South Cimarron Boulevard needs us. 32807 needs us. Whatever your zip code is, they need you. Whatever the name of your neighborhood is, they need you. Windward Estates, that's my neighborhood. They need me to be faithful to the gospel, not to withdraw, not to assimilate, not to fight, but to engage and live faithfully. And that is what we are called to do. And I think too many times as God's people, we want to run and hide or we want to pick a fight or we just give up and become like everybody else. And it doesn't work. It's not why we're here. It's not why we're here. So wherever you find yourself, Whatever your response has been, today I pray that you would engage. I pray that even now God would bring people and circumstances and situations to your mind, places where you need to engage. Maybe some places where you need to stop compromising the truth because some of us are doing that. Maybe some of you got to stop fighting. Maybe you need, some of you need to stop isolating and I pray that even now God would remind you of those things. For me, as I think about engaging in the city, praying for the prosperity of the city, what I recognized is I I think I've had low expectations for what God could actually do. I think I've wondered if he really could change this whole world. If he really could change this mess we're living in. But he is God. 
Terry said it this morning, is anything too hard for God? No, he can raise the dead. So let's start praying with expectation for the good of our city and our world. When you wanna fight, pray. When you wanna isolate, pray. When you wanna give in and assimilate, pray. And maybe, just maybe, God will move. Because he said, if you seek me, you'll find me. If you search with me for, with all your heart. Stand up with me this morning. Oh Lord, help us to be people who are faithful. Not just to your truth, but to your mission. To your love and grace in the world. To your compassion. Lord, give us a heart to see that maybe we're here not for ourselves, but for the world around us. Maybe when you called us to lay down our lives, you meant it. So Lord, help us. Help us. Strengthen us to make a difference in our world. Lord, I confess that my faith is weak. Lord, give me a bigger picture of your glory, of what you can do. And then, Lord, help me to live out of that faith with boldness. To have conversations that are hard to have. To step into things that are hard to step into. To move forward when I want to move back to keep my mouth shut when I want to say something I shouldn't say. Lord, help me. Help us as a church. Strengthen us. Lord, if there's anyone here today who's never come to you as Savior, today I pray in this moment that you would draw them. That you would convince them and convict them of their need for you. And that they would turn to you as Jeremiah says and seek you so that they could find you. So that they could live for your kingdom a kingdom that will never pass away instead of the kingdom of this world that will one day burn up and blow away. I pray in Jesus name. Amen. We're going to sing a song and I want to invite you to respond. Maybe today you've been living assimilated or isolated or fighting instead of engaged. And maybe today God is opening your eyes to some of that. And maybe you want to just come up here. I want to invite you to come up here. Say, God, help me to be engaged for your kingdom and your glory. Maybe there's someone in here today that doesn't know Jesus as Savior. We live in a world that is broken and full of sin. I think you can look around and see that. The only hope is salvation. And that comes through the person of Jesus Christ. Because he died on a cross to pay the penalty for the sin and brokenness of our world. And we place our faith in him and his resurrection from the dead. We submit our lives to him. And when we do, he saves us and changes us and gives us a hope and a future like Jeremiah talked about. 
today, if you've never done that, today can be your day. I'm going to be standing right in the front and I would love for you to just come tell me, hey, I need to know Jesus as Savior. But I want to challenge you today, church. Respond. Don't just hear this and go, I didn't like it or I did like it or that was cool. I didn't know that. Don't do that. Let it change the way you live. This is God's word. Thus saith the Lord. This is the declaration of the Lord, Jeremiah said. Let's let it change us. As we sing, I invite you to respond.